citizens. We have returned. It is the DC Comics News Podcast, and it's episode 68. My name is Steve J. Ray, and with me are two of the greatest comic book minds of the 21st century. Yes, they are. Don't argue with me. <laughs> First of all, we have Mr. Brad Felicki. Greetings, Brad. How are you? Hello. How's everyone doing today? We're good. Good. <laughs> We're good. And the supremely sublime Seth Singleton. How are you, my friend? I'm here. I'm happy. And if you're sublime with me, well, then, guys, I'm sublime with you. Welcome, everyone. Glad to be with you. Love it. Marvelous. Right. This is called DC Comics News because guess what? We have news about everything DC Comics. And the first item is a breaking news item. Um, anyone who's been on the internet last day or two will know already. Sadly, our worst fears have been confirmed. Oh, after 50 years, the mighty San Diego Comic-Con will not be taking place in 2020. Brad, I know you must have some fairly strong feelings about this, my friend. Let us know what they are. Yeah, I I just think that they really didn't have a choice, especially with new uh, forecasts of how this is all going to play out. So I, I think they really had to do it. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of information to go along other than uh, this is canceled. Um, so I'm hoping that in the weeks ahead that we'll have some more information about how they're going to do some stuff, you know, streaming, digital, things like that. So hopefully... Hopefully we'll get a little something uh, from from them in some ways, trailers or something that they would have been released. Uh, it is a shame, but it's just one of those things that we just have to you know, deal with because, heaven forbid, it comes back for the rest of the year and then we're stuck even longer. So it's better to wait it out now and just deal with these cancellations and um, get back on track and stay on track a little later on uh seth what do you think well i gotta agree with you completely i mean it it, it at some point there's um uh, <laughs> you're, you're playing with the uncertainty which is the thing we've all been dealing with and the signs are not consistent i mean recently i believe uh steve maybe you can confirm for me i believe great britain pushed back its shelter in place uh time frame by i want to say Absolutely. three weeks Yep, another three weeks from uh, Thursday. Correct. And right now, California has been like like New York, uh, like a few other areas that have really been aware of just how quickly it can spread and what they can do to contain, have put in some of the most uh, quick-acting measures. And keeping that in mind and the possibility that at any moment the governor might be making a new decision about the time frame for California – uh, there could be decisions made about all 50 continental states for that means travel for a lot of people and who can and who can't make it. I think there's a lot to consider. And with all of that coming down, I'm sure someone maybe reached out to the governor's staff and said, hey, if we were to push ahead, what do you think the the odds are? It could be an issue. And if you get enough you know, response from officials that this would be a good time to err on the side of caution, I think they're doing a smart thing. I also love the fact that we had a great story last week about Chicago. I think that's a great example for how we can be innovative. I mean, 
there's a lot of ingenuity throughout the country in Silicon Valley, uh, in, in California, around the world. I think that combining those resources, seeing what works in Chicago, what doesn't, how they can make it better, there can still be an atmosphere and a way for Comic-Con to still provide that great information because otherwise, you know, then you just start looking at the negatives, like uh, first time in 50 years that it's it's not able to host its event and and how confusing, frustrating and difficult that is for fans as well as the industry. There's a lot of points you can go on, but I think they're doing the right thing. And I have a feeling I'm not alone in that based on what Brad was saying. And Steve, I'm sure you have some similar thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing this for the right reasons. And we honestly yeah it's sad yeah it's bad news and yes you're right the whole 50 year thing but we have at these times got to stop being a little bit selfish and think about the greater good and the world at large by letting that carry on that's thousands of people in one venue and with this current climate with this uh virus the way it is that is literally a petri dish waiting to explode with the virus so i just wish like you said with chicago they maybe would have had like a little online comic-con in its place where like you said brad we could see a few trailers learn a few secrets and about some of the big books that are coming in the next 12 months but um well maybe it might still happen let's see how chicago pans out how everyone takes to how it went and maybe we will get some online content from SDCC, but but who knows? But at the end of the day, we have to think about people other than ourselves. And while it does suck a little bit that there isn't going to be an SDCC this year, it means that it's going to have a stronger effect on fighting this virus, stopping it spreading even faster, and therefore hopefully the quarantine being lifted sooner because it's squashed and it's less prevalent than it was up. It's, we've always been the three of us glasses half full kind of guys Seth we know you've got Superman symbol for hope tattooed on your chest underneath your shirt uh, with it's a pair there. of Brad's <laughs> nice jeans and that's the way we have to move forward I think yeah definitely hope on the chest that's it hope in the yeah. hearts <laughs> and it's kind of interesting their choice to offer people either refunds or tickets for next year both with people who are attending and exhibitors so uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people choose one or the other uh, i know that if i was in the position that i did have a ticket i would just want to wait and still go next year so you know hopefully a lot of people will feel the same way and from comics fans if anyone from sdcc listens to our shows well done. You've made the right choice. And one year without you means we're just going to be all the happier to see you again next year, right? Indeed. Right. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. We're behind you, SDCC. <laughs> so moving on to slightly better news, we start our movie news this week with some terrific new HD photos for Wonder Woman 1984 the film of the summer without a shadow of a doubt. Brad, what did you make of these two groovy new 80s picks? Yeah, those that armor is is something else. Whoever designed that did just an amazing job. Um, yeah, it just it looks looks incredible. The more pictures I see, the more I like it. 
uh, and uh, we get Steve Trevor and uh, Diana together uh, in Washington. So, yeah, I mean, all these little trick, uh, trickles of information and photos just gets me more and more excited. So uh, it's kind of a bright light in the future, August August 14th. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can still hit that date and get that movie released in theaters. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I really love these photos. You're right about that suit of armor. My goodness. Like the whole time you were talking, I just kept zooming in, zooming in, like looking at the layers of those metal um, feathers, essentially, that make up those wings. They're they're gorgeous. And I love the artistry. I mean, we were talking about the armor last time, about how how beautiful it was uh, in the other photo. But this is this is a really stunning shot. And I love the intricate detail. I have I have to agree with you. Total kudos and props to the designer and whoever helped uh, engineer the design into reality. Because I love theory, but application is really where everything rubber meets the road and all that. And this was this was a, a great example of somebody paying attention to those details. I can't wait to see it in action. I want to see some really cool you know fight combat scenes with this. And I also want to see some of that, you know, maybe linking that we have going on in the DC universe. You know, maybe there's, you know, some nth metal properties that that drop in with this, you know, just, you know, something to sort of tie us into some upcoming Black Adam and Hawkman appearances and and things like that. And then, of course, I'm always enjoying whenever I don't know if you guys follow Tom King on Twitter, but when he posts those pictures of walking the dog and he's got those great DC shots where it's like early in the morning or late at night and there's just that great skyline. And this takes that to that romantic sphere that you want to experience when you're looking at Diane and Steve. Lovely images, uh, really great sort of inspiration and a little bit of a. chum in the water for all of us swarming around waiting for this movie to come out like you said brad hopefully on a timeline that that we can all enjoy in the near future steve how about you um it's been a while since i read it but i'm sure that the designs from uh alex's ross armor at the end of kingdom come isn't it during the great battle where she comes out in that golden armor or maybe i'm misremembering i'm not sure but whoever's built it and brought it to life in 3d is a gd genius it is stunning like you said zooming in on it the intricacy the details the 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 gold it's just beautiful but all the pictures i'm seeing coming out of this film are gorgeous that lovely scene with uh steve and diana in in washington is again it's simply stunning the way they're off center and you can see the memorial in the background is just beautifully framed beautifully shot and we know paddy jenkins is a director par excellence she can do the visuals she can do the action she can do the character and the special effects so if the movie looks half as good as these pics again like you said we're all salivating we all cannot wait to see the finished product on the big screen in the summer i cannot wait the first wonder woman movie was wonderful i've got a feeling this one's going to be bigger and better and how, like we've said in previous shows, it's always better when it's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> bigger. 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 bigger, bigger. Sorry, Brad, go ahead. Talk, I was say that all the talk right now of how they're going to reopen movie theaters and they're kind of figuring that out as far as, you know, they don't want to put any blockbusters in right away 
they might like get people back in with older movies and things like that. And if that's the case and we can keep it open, like keep that time frame now where we're thinking that maybe sometime in late May or June things start opening up again, Wonder Woman could be the first blockbuster that we see back in theaters. And that would just be a kind of nice celebration of people going back to the movies, I think. I think it would be the perfect the perfect movie for that. Wow. Yeah, you know what, Brad, you reminded me, um, I, I feel like it was uh, right after 9-11, there was a big adjustment when one of the big sporting, I want to say it was like a Yankees game or something. Yeah, uh, World Series. You know, World Series, right. And the fact that suddenly everyone had this thing they could put their hearts and minds into, you know, it was just, you know, a really great experience after going through a really difficult time. There's been a lot of personal loss, a lot of national loss, a lot of international loss. I think a symbol like this that's full of hope like that, I, I think you really key into something. And it would be a great way for people to, you know, kind of turn their heads and their hearts towards something other than what we're all still working our way through right now. So, yeah, great, really great insight. Man. Thank you. Absolutely. And what everyone's praying for is during this time when we're all literally forced to be at home and for the right reasons obviously don't get me wrong it, it's it's essential that we are but the things we're all craving is that social gathering that seeing of other people getting together with our friends um going to our comic shops eating at a good restaurant rather than getting takeout or cooking every single day and surely one of the greatest shared experiences is sitting in a movie theater with the, your nearest and dearest and watching a great piece of entertainment in surround sound on the big screen and august could be like you said the first blockbuster of the year and what a way to come out of quarantine i, I can't think of a better way absolutely yeah. indeed yeah <laughs> and speaking of the big screen um this is news that surprised even me even though i did know that darren aronofsky was uh in line to make a Batman movie after the ill-fated and quite terrifying Batman and Robin. But could you imagine if this had happened? Apparently news has surfaced that he wanted Joaquin Phoenix of Joker fame to be his Batman in a Batman movie. Brad, would you make of this surprising piece of news? Uh, it's kind of funny how life turns out, isn't it? Uh, he could have been Batman and now he's the iconic joker right up there with Heath Ledger uh but I think everything you know everything kind of happens for a reason uh I think that at the end we got the Batman movie that we deserved with Batman Begins but you know I would love to have seen uh Darren Aronofsky's take on on the character because I love I do love his work and you know that there was a little note here that the studio had in mind Freddie Prinze Jr and that would have certainly changed his career um but you know it's just it's just funny how things uh, turn out and of course you know he had he wanted to use the frank one the year one frank miller story line as kind of a basis which would have been kind of right up there in aronofsky's um you know definitely in his on brand for what he would do but uh you know uh, at the end i think that we still got some great films so you know, in some alternate universe somewhere, I'm sure he made that movie. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Seth, what do you think? 
I, I was really just reminded by this um, story about what a different appearance Joaquin Phoenix had in the mind's eye of people who'd seen him in cinema recently. Um, he was quite the towering menace in Wrong Turn. Um, I just remember that iconic trailer where he's got, you know, the rolled up sleeves and the crazy haircut. And then I remember him in Gladiator in which he was really physical and a powerful presence. Like, you know, he, he did a lot of sword fighting combat scenes in that. Um, it, it's really interesting how we were viewing him at that time and how uh, a really iconic filmmaker like Darren Aronofsky was looking at how he could take that same idea and turn into something unexpected for the rest of us but the freddie prince jr i mean brad you're totally on man i was blown away by that idea i couldn't believe it and i love that then twitter's like hey freddie you know anything about this and he's like nah man that's internet stuff i don't know what you're talking about steve what was your take exactly the same as you guys um great filmmaker and i would have loved to have seen his take on batman but at the end of the day if we're honest as batman year one fans so much of that book was almost directly peeled off the pages of the comic book and put onto the screen in Batman Begins anyway, particularly the scene with a swarm of bats and Batman's origin and uh, most of the stuff with Gordon, even right down to the final scene with um, Gordon presenting the Joker card. So in many ways, we did get a similar feel in the movie that Christopher Nolan produced. But like you said, Brad, it would have been nice to have seen and maybe again in uh, Dream's uh, library of blockbuster video, there is a uh, (laughs) Darren Aronofsky version of Batman Year One sitting in there ready for us to watch when we shuffle off this mortal coil. So that's another thing to look forward to when this uh, quarantine ends and when we all kick the proverbial bucket. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, on slightly nicer news, um, let's move into our use from the little bitty screen. Now we've talked about the big screen, bigger. And this is big news. And something you guys will know is very close to my heart. It seems <laughs> that a certain Mr. J.J. Abrams is getting three shows on the new HB Max service. And one of them will feature my current favorite DC team. Justice League Dark. Brad, the possibilities. Yes, that it, it, you nailed it with that word, possibilities, because that was it, that they just announced the show. We don't know what characters are going to be in it. So I think that over, you know, over the next weeks and months, we're going to have fun talking about this because it's going to be one of those stories where there's little bits of news every week. Uh, once it's you know once the ball gets rolling on that so I can't wait I I really hope that um, this current run is somehow used as some kind of inspiration because this run is just so amazing uh, and thank you Steve for turning me on to that series but um, yeah I just yeah this is definitely definitely exciting Seth what do you think I have to immediately start off by saying, yes, Steve, you are forever in my heart as well for introducing me to this series. Uh, I believe it was the first uh, collected graphic novel that you uh, were like, hey, man, pick it up, do the review. You know, you're going to enjoy something original and wonderful here. And that was my first thought as I was reading it. it was like, wow. That guy just totally nailed it for me. This is one of a kind, great approach to classic characters, great storytelling. Uh, I mean, 
God, some beautiful art. It, it's really been something lovely to enjoy and now to consider as part of HBO Max. Like, you, you, you want to launch and get my attention? This is a great way to do it. Um, I love the work that we've seen from Bad Robot. I love the idea of this collaboration. Um, I'm, I'm already sort of more excited than I probably should be, and I have to blame Steve for that. Steve, I'm just going to hand it over to you, man. Um, you know, are, are we just going to be talking about this for the next six months straight, or is there anything else I need to do to prepare myself? Because I have this feeling. Just, you know, call it a hunch. Steve? I could talk about Justice League Dark all day and all night. I've been championing this series since they brought it back in the rebirth. And it's still one of those titles that's under people's radars. And I don't know why, because it's one of the best written, one of the best drawn, um, fantastic characterization, fantastic action. This is a comic that literally has got everything, horror, thrills, action, superheroics, and more or less everything in between. And, the fact that this is the DC show that HBO Max is launching with fills my heart with joy. If they go back to even the original New 52 run, this was one of the few New 52 books that I still liked, but it's the Rebirth run that has put that comic book in the upper echelon of excellence as far as I'm concerned, because, you know, I collect more than a couple of comic books, but with the DC hmm. titles, it's only this detective and batman that i buy the individual issues of and the graphic novels of the trade paperbacks that's how much i love this book and if they decide to base themselves on the stories from the rebirth era they have got a minefield of treasure to play with because that series brad you'll know this better than just about anyone being a huge ellen moore nerd like i am the way that series expands on more swamp thing and uh, some of the aspects of, of the tales that were told there back in the yeah. uh, 80s and 90s, that this is absolutely going to be a series with so much potential. Yeah, and absolutely. there are so many characters to choose from that have never had live-action counterpart. I mean, can you imagine? We have to see it. One of my all-time favorite characters, we've talked about her ad infinitum, Zatanna, in yeah. live-action. I think the and once we start, yeah, absolutely. And when we start talking about these characters, <laughs> both of you I know yeah. would agree here, we start thinking about, ooh, who should we get to play them? And that's the other big fun game we're going to have in the next few months leading up to when this show makes its debut. I mean, I've already got tons of ideas. Have you guys thought of any characters you'd like to see in, and which actors you'd like to play them? Brad? I would like to see Detective Chimp and Zatanna. As far as who plays them, uh, you know, I, I'm holding off on that um, just because I'd like to see who, if we find out who's writing the show and things like that, other than J.J. Abrams, because that'll give me kind of a tone to go in that will help me out with that. As for me, I'm, wow. The one thing that I keep in mind is the fact that a lot of people can really surprise me. To this day, I never would have anticipated that Bradley Cooper would turn Rockin' into Raccoon into an amazing voice that I absolutely love. So when it comes to who could be Detective Chimp um, or Man Bat, I mean, I, what I loved recently was in the Umbrella Academy, seeing this very sophisticated um, 
I can't remember, oh goodness, if he was uh, chimpanzee, um, what type of uh, predecessor he but, was. Yeah, we know exactly who you mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, they I pulled it off beautifully. They could right. do Bobo, yeah. 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 yeah, thank you, Bobo, whose name now is in my head because thank you. Um, and I think that you could do layers of effect like that that we already saw with Detective Chimp. With Man Bat, you know, you would have an opportunity to see this very scientific version of him. I love how austere he is in the Justice League Dark series and and how you can see that brilliant scientific mind coming to play and how wonderful it would be to see that represented on screen. Um, but for the casting, it gets a little trickier with that. I, I can't say that I've got a, a person specifically in mind for any, but yeah, when you mentioned characters, I would love to see someone portray uh, Zatanna. I would love to see, um, I would love to see actually Matt Ryan back on as Constantine. I think that would just be the hell yeah in the world. Yeah. Um, and then beyond there, you know, I've been so surprised because Doom Patrol got me too. I I mean, you know, Robot Man was not who I was expecting, but the voice for Cliff works. You know, you've got this guy who who I absolutely loved in the 90s now playing this, you know, really fun character for me in that. So I, I think I think the, the horizon's just, you know, about as vast as we can see. Um, but Steve, I'm curious if you've ever you know, done a little casting in your head about this, and if you've got one or two actors you think would just make the role sing. The future's so bright, we gotta wear shades, my friends. We gotta wear shades. Hey, and like you said, <laughs> yep, Matt Ryan, definitely. But could you imagine if Derek Mears reprised his Swamp Thing? Could you imagine if yeah. Phantom Stranger we saw in the Swamp Thing show made an appearance? Could you imagine if I don't know who looks vaguely Italian who could pull off as a Anna de Armas as Zatanna. Damn, <laughs> that would work. Yeah. Um, so many possibilities. And the fact that we'll get these characters together as a dysfunctional team in another horror based show, because Swamp Thing was that it was a DC show. Absolutely. But it was horror. And that's what I love about the Justice League Dark book. Yes, it's horror. It's scary. It's terrifying. The monsters, the creatures, the upside down man, the other kind. Oh, man, I am so excited by this that I've been this excited since they mentioned the Doom Patrol series. And that series blew us all away. So lovely. Looking and the forward. possibility that this could be a way of bringing back Swamp Thing, of like, you know, exactly. finding a new home for that show yeah. and recreating and reintroducing a character we already love to a wider audience. That That's a man, that's a multitude right there. Like you could really have some lovely stuff come yeah. out of this. That's awesome, Steve. <laughs> so. That's one piece of fantastic TV news and uh, a little bit more and some surprises in this uh, very Justice Society heavy trailer for Stargirl. And if we were excited about the Justice Society before, this trailer has blown my socks off. Brad, what did you make of this new story? Yeah, yeah, blew my socks off, too. Yeah, I I, I can't wait. And I'm glad we don't have to wait that long for it either. It should be coming in the next few weeks so yeah i'm i'm definitely excited and it's so nice to see the justice society on screen they their time has come too i think uh 
between between this and Black Adam, uh, it's going to definitely be. I think the Justice Society is going to uh, maybe become as popular as maybe the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, like one of those teams where not too many people knew about it, but all of a sudden, bam, everybody loves them. And I'm kind of hoping that's the situation that we'll see. And I, I and I got flashbacks from James Robinson's Starman t- uh, run. Uh, oh yeah, which I just absolutely love because I—that's another one of my favorite '90s series. So that was for me. That was that was very fun to see. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Oh man, one, uh, yeah, that Starman series. I I've got. I remember for uh, Free Comic Book Day, one of the shops was doing the omnibus books, and they had them at like five bucks a pop, still sealed oh, in their plastic. Oh, and I was like, yeah, it was like if you bought two or more, it was five bucks a pop. Otherwise, it was like I can't remember what the price. So I was like, you're kidding me, right? They had four, five and six right there still in the cling wrap. I just snatched them right up. And I was like, I will find one, two and three. But right now you've just ignited this thing in me. And I was just I was lit up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I kind of felt like the guy next to me was like, you OK, buddy? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what? No, shh, don't look at what I've got. Go away. Go away. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I love some of those details about, you know, the shop and the idea of the hemp fire fibers being woven into the shirts and the identity. That, there was some beautiful art in that, but the storytelling, the, the family history, you, you've got a great opportunity connecting to stuff like this through a great show like Stargirl. I love that we'll get to see more of the Justice Society. I loved uh, so much about who they you know represented and then of course you've heard me you know just waiting for brad to start his first episode of flicky fashion based on the raving i was doing about i mean come on what i said was and still believe is one of the sexiest costumes around and that's got to be alan scott's green lantern the boots the cape i I just you know what i mean and brad that's a great place for you to start man classic original (laughs) fashions in dc and then move up into the modern era with the faux pas along the way Ah, you've got a minefield i mean a rich beautiful uh you know just just saying it man but the great thing about this trailer that i loved was one great touches of comedic timing someone needs to carry on the tradition not not you not not you but someone (laughs) needs to carry on that was just i mean lovely um, I loved the fact that we get to see who was carrying it on originally and then the transference of that, that the sense of destiny and how this can define this young woman's life. I, I love that kick, that huge slow motion acrobatic wha-bam. That was awesome. That that made me think like, OK, you're not just going to be relying on that staff. You're going to be using it like a tool, like a weapon. But you're also going to be this very capable, you know, powerful person. And then Our Man looked amazing. And it looks like Wildcat is not the original gender I remember from the comics. Is that correct? Gotcha. So now we've got this great sort of, you know, legacy that's being carried on. Maybe maybe we'll get to see a lot of fun through this. But I I loved this trailer for all the wonderful things that it did, from the action to the comedy to the sense of purpose and Right now, you know, the timing for Jeff Johns, which I was kind of complaining about along with everybody else between books and the show. I'm like, hey, you know what? It's coming out at a perfect time right now. Maybe all is forgiven once we start seeing this and just sort of like smile that you had enough time to do it right. And this introduction to the Justice Society is a great hit of that coming. Steve, passing the baton, my friend. 
listen you both totally nailed it um our man the costume and those little teases and this is the one that's really making me excited a stripe the, the robot in the background i cannot yeah, yeah. wait to see that dude moving in action and like you said seth the surprise reveal that it's not the ted grant wildcat it's yolanda montez the second wildcat who who took over the mantle the character who i still adore and who needed a, a time in the sun and a fact that's balancing out the uh, female to male ratio as well and she was a, a wildcat with with the uh, metahuman abilities too so oh so cool the the cosmic rod um everything about it the tips of the hat to the james robinson starman series again brad you're so right what a comic but that was do you not feel that that was a dc title that felt like a vertigo book Oh, amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really surprised when it wasn't, when I remember getting those, you'd be like, wait, I thought yeah. it was a ago. Oh, my God. So did I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That whole feel of it. And the like that, those fight sequences and the way the girl moves outstanding. Yeah. And so, Steve, did you see that hmm. final, did you notice in that final scene where it showed them all charging? You can actually see Stripe making some movement. Like, you know, he looked like he could charge. Yeah, I thought it again. I think I must have missed that. Yeah, right at the end where it shows him, like, let's go, and both sides are attacking. You see Stripe in that action scene. He's only just moving forward a few steps, but I love that moment of seeing him moving because the image in the background was awesome. Like, oh, wow, there he is. But then I was like, hey, that's him. Hey, he moves pretty good. Check it out. Got to watch it again without a shadow of a doubt. So, listen, yeah, delays be damned. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's not coming out as advertised, but it's coming. It's imminent. And with the visuals like that, this show is going to be amazing. Wunderbar. So uh, we've seen some great stuff. And hmm, this is an odd one. Uh, All of the Harley Quinn episodes for season two, uh, they've changed the order. They've reshuffled them. They're not going to come out in the order we thought. Um, but there's lots more exciting stuff coming to DC Universe too. Brad, what do you make of this strange little story? Well, I'm glad they found that there was an error. <laughs> we might have been confused with the with the Harley show for sure. Yeah. Uh, which which you know we've talked about it on the new Harley Cast a lot, of course. But uh, one of the things I like, I like about the show, yeah, is that. Um, there is kind of continuing storylines. Not every episode is necessarily its own contained thing. Uh, there are obviously storylines that carry over. So I'm glad that they did fix this up or we'd have all been very confused. And as far as the other stuff, you know, I, I think that I will probably end up watching Stargirl on the DC Universe app for sure. So I'm glad to see that that is still, that is still coming. So, uh, and it's great to have the Watchmen back because um, I, I'm definitely apologist for the movie. Uh, I liked it better than a lot of people did just because I was so impressed with what Zack Snyder was able to put in that movie from the book. The song cues and everything like that was just, it just, I, I really enjoyed that. So that'll be fun to watch again. So um, the more Watchmen, the better for me. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm I'm right with you, Brad. I'm so glad that they caught this mistake. This seems like an awkward moment for everybody. Like, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. 
why is this? And then somebody's going, hold on, hold on, hold on. Move this over here, move this over here, switch these around. Okay. Everybody get what's happening here? Because, yeah, one of the things that I love, especially because it's been so important to this, um, you know, series and, you know, happy, Steve, to add in another plug. If you want to know more from the beginning, catch us on Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. We're talking about episodes one and two right now. Jump in. You'll never miss a perspective from four people who are really sharing their love about the show. And one of the things we love is that, the first season is about her emancipation, and now the second season is an opportunity to have that great love story and all the complications that are going to come with it. So if you start mixing things around, people are going to be like, they don't seem very into each other. Last episode, it was like really, you know, getting somewhere, and then you find out the order's mixed up, and, and now you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, what happened? If you fix it now, we get a chance to see it the way it's supposed to go. I love these titles. Uh, Batman's Batman. All the inmates have daddy oh. issues. <laughs> There's no place to go but down. In a pair of demons and Bachelorette. Uh, God help us all with a Harley Quinn version of Bachelorette. In fact, maybe God should just curse us now, and maybe we should just feel like there is no hope. It, as far as like what happens when Bachelorette and Harley Quinn come together. In the meantime, you know, yeah, uh, Brad, I'm with you. There's there's something about the way Watchmen did just this this beautiful presentation. You can you can look at everything else you want, but on screen, brought to life, you got to see these characters, and you got to. I I, I remember actually loving the fact that they included that great scene um, with the uh, original Owl and that scene at home. Where, you know, it's really tragic, but I felt it was, I think that's one of the ones that wasn't included in the original cut, but wasn't the director's. And when I did see that, I ended up like DVRing it for the longest time because I was like, wow, what a great, you know, what a great moment to just pull from the comic, from the graphic novel and to, to bring to life. And all of those moments were, I'm, I'm really thrilled it's going to be back on DC Universe. We get a chance to enjoy it. And then all the books that we've had a chance to look through. Uh, you know, I've been having a lot of fun just rereading the new gods again from the beginning and stuff like that. And knowing I've got these newer ones to pick up as well, it's, you know, just another reason to dive in the app, pull it up on the iPad and, you know, dig in. Now, Steve, I promise we're not all trying to just rub this in. Uh, your day is coming, my friend. And when you celebrate with us, we will all be there with you. But I'm sure you also have some great thoughts about all this. Well, the TV shows and the movies are something I don't really have an issue with because of the Warner Brothers app for. Uh, press that obviously they let us have that so we can do the reviews um so that's the the stuff i i luckily can get to see but easy stuff like cw and uh, all the comic books is the stuff that i don't have access to and all the um other gorgeous sexiness that you've been getting during the lockdown but hey i'm not going to complain because watchman is coming and uh, i've got the blu-ray i've got the dvd i've got the director's cut i've got the standard cut i don't have the ultimate cut yet because it's hasn't officially been released in the uk but i will have it brad i agree with you i don't know why people are so down on watchman but i think it's more that they're down on Zack snyder and it's because these films are smart they're not just popcorn movies you watch once, forget about, then go on to the next one and go on to the next one and go on to the next one. They're things that films that make you think they're darker, they're deeper, they're richer. They have more human story. And obviously some uh, fans in air quotes don't get. But 
to other people who always say that Zack Snyder only makes good films when the director's cuts, well, that clearly shows they don't know what a director's cut is. A director's cut is the film the director intended to make. That's the film they wanted to go out in the first place. The fact that this is a director's cut means that the studios chop their film to pieces because of whatever reasons, uh, too long people won't sit in the seats, or no, that's too complicated, people won't get that, release this version instead. And we all know how that worked out with Justice League. Yes, um, Zack Snyder is a director's cut director, because that's the film he wanted to make in the first place, you silly, silly people. Anyway, ran over. I'm going to stay positive. New Harley, those titles, wonderful. Um, <laughs> And people, yeah, if you didn't know, if you have been living in a cave, not of Harley's description, but just a standard cave, um, we have a new podcast. It's called Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, and it's nutty, nutty, nutty. Peanuts, hazelnuts, almonds, you name them, the nuts are there. They're called Brad, Seth, Steve, Kendra and Kelly. Mmm, let us back into the asylum. We like the jello. I'm going to stop. Right. Um, that's the end of our screen and other news. So we're going to have a couple of pills, make a nice cup of tea and listen to all the wonderful shows you can catch on the DC Comics Podcast Network. We'll be back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News here to tell you about the spinner rack each and every week. DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by... The guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. We have returned. And now we're going to talk about those wonderful things called comic books, where everything DC originated. And we start with good news. Um, DC are going to start publishing new comics again. Wait for it. This month in April. Brad, your thoughts, sir? Uh, I... I have a little mixed feelings. I, I feel lucky in that I can get my comics pretty easy from my store through mail order because they're not they're obviously going to, you know, you can't go in, you know. So 
I'll be able to take advantage of this. I just I feel bad for a lot of the people that their comic shops don't have mail order and that's going to force them to go to other places and to, to mail order these because they don't want to miss out. They don't want to wait until the shops open and then realize that everything is gone. So it's going to take business away from maybe some of these smaller shops. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn, but, you know, it, it is great to be having new books again. Um, I'm looking forward to that Batman Giant uh, issue four that's going to be coming out. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a little mixed feelings about it. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Well, I'm going to be honest. I, I... I want this to be the best thing it can. I want this to be um, the the start back up, the slow turning of the gears, or uh, you know, of the uh, wheels of the train as it's beginning to sort of build momentum and try and get back to that schedule we were all enjoying before things had to stop. Whether or not it's going to leave some people, you know, out in the cold is a concern that I share with you, Brad, because. There's a lot of shops that don't have that option. There's a lot of people that are going to have to make some tough choices. And how this shakes out for the industry as a whole, I'm hopeful that some of the stories we'll be talking about later can give them the support that you know will be necessary in times like this where they're going to be struggling and can't be a part of this beginning resurgence. But the fact that we're talking about a beginning resurgence is great news. I, I'm a fan of all of these titles that will be coming out, so I'm really excited to, uh, you know, read them, to get a chance to experience fresh stories, new stories, look forward to that experience. But yeah, there's a few reservations for me, and uh, the other part of me just thinks I can't see all the ways this could have other impacts, and that's a concern as well. I don't like not knowing what the potential concerns and outcomes are because those are the things I like to prepare for. So not knowing that is a, a difficulty right now. In the moment, I'm thankful for, again, talking about a beginning, talking about movement, talking about next stages of hope. So I'm going to focus on that for the moment. Steve, how about you? It's exactly that. Something is happening. There is progress. There is movement. And any time I hear the news that we will be getting new comic books, I'll take that as a positive. Yes, there are some people who may suffer because of this or have to rethink how and where they get their comics. But the fact they can get them is the thing I'm going to focus on. And not only that, um, these retailers need the revenue. And the fact that they're going to be able to sell something, even if it's not now by a mail order, I'm happy to wait until everything reopens and walk back with a veritable bucket load of new books because they're worth the wait and I want to give the money to the retailers that have always looked after me and treated me as more than a customer but as a friend. So I'm going to take it in that aspect. And what I have to say is that any new comic, even if it's a reduced run, they're only going to have limited titles coming out, is better than no comics at all. As long as I get them, I'll wait. But the fact that there is progress is the wonderful thing. And I, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, I'm not going to be able to get them posted out. To be honest, I'm not going to have the ones from March. But um, I'm prepared to wait and to give the money to the shops that have earned it and deserve it. Because for a long time, 
there was Axel some serious thought creeping and nagging in the back of my head that the comics industry might have been dealt a blow it couldn't recover from. And to hear this kind of news means that thankfully I was wrong. So, yeah, that's the way I'm going to look at that one, I think. Right. And it looks like not only DC, but the following month and next month in May, Diamond are targeting to restart distribution too. Again, mixed feelings probably, but progress. What did you think, Brad? Well, I'm, I'm all for it as long as the employees and everybody is, is still safe, as long as they think that no one's in danger going back, which I don't think, I, I don't think Diamond would go back if they weren't certain. So, you know, I, I hope this is a sign of things to come, that these things are loosening up a bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I just hope that they can keep that schedule. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm encouraged by this, of course, aware of the fact that these timetables are best intentions, and they're also, as you said, hopefully going to be taking in account all of the staff who can be affected by this and that the best you know possible practices and precautions are put into place on the other hand is the fact that this seems to be a, a really good hand-in-hand -hand announcement with the story we were just talking about there is the beginning of movement there is a feeling that if we do things uh, with intelligence and intention we can really look out for each other. Keep in mind that selflessness, as Steve was talking about earlier, is our best pursuit, and that that selflessness can also be a way to encourage, lift up, support those who are hardest hit and struggling the most right now. That this is a great sign that goes hand in hand with the story we were just talking about, and that I'm hopeful that they can keep their plan for this mid to late May uh, time frame. And I'm looking forward to hearing that that can be confirmed, that these books will be coming out on a schedule, that these are the practices that are being put in place and that everyone feels like they have that better sense of what's going on. How about you, Steve? You both absolutely called it. The safety of staff and the people who work for these companies is the most important thing. Like you said, we talked about it at the top of the show. As long as they're doing things safely, they're sure everything will be okay. They're con confident that relaunching will not be detrimental to their staff or to the company itself, then I'm all for it. But there's always going to be um, reactions to everything. And we'll, we'll see that in the next story where we've got mixed feelings about DC using other channels other than Diamond. But the fact they're going back and they're publishing books I'm going to take that as the positive aspect. We've talked about it before. Diamond should not be the one and only choice, but it seems um, looking at our next story, that retailer reaction is extremely mixed. Some of them are jumping to Diamond's defense. And if that's all they've ever known, I can understand that. But um, there's more than just Coke out there. There's Pepsi. There's more than just lager. There's real ale. There's more than just whiskey. There's scotch. There's bourbon. Um, there's more than Burger King and McDonald's. So why should there just be Diamond? Again, that's my thought. Brad, what do you make of these different reactions from distributors now that DC decided for this month at least to use other suppliers? 
Uh, well, I, I think I go back to what I said before. I have a, a mixed feelings. I think the reasons are, are kind of the same. I, I think that I can see, you know, both sides. You know, Steve, like you were saying, that it, it's nice to see new product, and that is that is true. And 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 yeah, you're right. Why well, have just Coke and Pepsi? But I because one of the one of the companies that is helping with this distribution, Midtown Comics, that's my go-to comic shop anyway. So even if I'm stuck ordering online, I would still be ordering from Midtown anyway. So, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, I just hope it doesn't take away. I hope the positive outweighs the negative and it doesn't take away from these smaller retails, but I can, I can kind of see both sides. Uh, Seth, what do you think? It's, it's clearly a reflection on just the struggle that people are having right now with who is it that they can rely on? Who is it that they can trust? And I was really intrigued, actually, with this idea that, you know, it sounds like, you know, uh, Joe Field of Concord, Flying Colors Comics, feels like relying on Midtown, who you were just talking about, or DCVS, is a direct competitor, to which I just sort of paused for a second and go, hey, Joe, I know the Internet's a big place we can all play, but you're in Concord, which is just north of me. You know what I mean? Great, it's about two and a half hours, but still, you're, you're just up that way. And I'm pretty sure Midtown is a lot further away. So calling them a direct contemporary, yeah, maybe there's an internet thing out there, but I'm not seeing it. What I am seeing is you're on one end of the country, they're on the other. Why should this be a territory thing? Why should this suddenly turn into a, uh, you know, a a contest of, of any kind. And if Midtown's here to help, where's the problem in that? Uh, I like Coca-Cola. There was a period where I liked Pepsi. I've even been known to enjoy an RC from time to time. Um, when I was a broke little high school kid, I got the cheap soda from Safeway and Walmart because it was cheap. But, you know, that's about what I can do and when I can do it and what my options are. We need more options because one of the biggest difficulties with Diamond was this feeling of they were the only one who was going to call the shots. Well, I like the competition. I like the challenge. I like innovation. The only thing I want to see through it all is consistency. There shouldn't be only some places getting titles and others uh, that aren't. There shouldn't be only some fans who are able to get the, you know, the access. I know location and things like that are an issue, but there should be a way for us to view this from the perspective that we all want the comics to get into people's hands. We should do our best to make sure all the possible ways. I mean, there was a time where we all just watched television and then there was network or cable. And now look where we are. And I'd say most of us agree we're for the better. I mean, to the extent that, you know, we have options, how we choose to indulge them. That's a whole other story. But this could be a great possibility for the future. And I'm intrigued by the fact that there's, you know, as much resistance as there appears to be. Steve? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you totally. I think that having a choice is vitally important and being able to get comics. These retailers should be actually, I think, thinking, well, hang on. Does it really matter how we get the comics as long as we get the comics and we can sell them? That's the part I don't get. It's like some people are complaining for the sake of complaining. Um, maybe there's more to it. I'm not a comic book retailer. I just talk to a lot of them. And surely having product to sell is more important than where that product is coming from. But, hey, what do I know? I'm a comics reader. I'm not a comic book retailer. So 
at the end of the day, um, some people love it, some people don't. But hey, we're human beings. We have our choices. We have our decisions. We have our likes and dislikes. But for me, having a choice and being able to get get the comics is the most important thing. But horses for courses, everybody's different. So moving on. Our next story is one, again, is something I'm really, 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 really looking forward to. Dark Knight's Death Metal. But, Mr. Snyder, woof, you've really given yourself some pressure here, sir. The goal of Metal, or one of the goals, is to sort out DC's history and continuity. Brad, them's fighting words, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I... I always appreciate that DC is not afraid to do things like this. Um, when you have characters that have been around for 80 years, you have to do this every every now and again. Uh, I, I suppose there are people that think that DC does it too often, but I think that you know those timelines, those new generations that they have shown, and and these things. Uh, I think going forward, I think it is going to clear up a lot, and I'm, I'm anxious to see how this series puts that into play that should be that should be fun because you know we all know that scott snyder can handle it so how he how he figures that all out should be fun to watch or i should say read over the next few months seth what do you think i agree i mean one steve yeah he's he's really you know set the bar as far as what he's attempting to do here and what the plan is for death metal. Um, Brad, I, I, I think you're really on the right track completely with the idea that DC hasn't been afraid to do this. They, they've understood what the issue of continuity means for fans and the stories they want us to all enjoy and how that connection is important to us. How they're doing it has been really interesting to me because this isn't the only conversation about continuity that's been part of the the, the current run uh, going back recently to doomsday clock which was doing all sorts of uh, ways of looking at and explaining and kind of trying to define the continuity and and what changes had occurred and that certain figures and elements can recognize what those are recently in flash forward there's been a recognition i mean I'm not trying to spoil the ending, but Wally has found the ability to now access an amazing source of information. He believes he's got this approach to how things have been occurring in continuity and what to do about it. And even more recently in Brian Michael Bendis' Legion, there was that great little moment, um, if you guys have been reading it, where they talk about how right now in comics is actually this monumental, pivotal moment that depending on how things go, the reverberations affect all of time, all of space, all of existence. And that's a lot of different approaches, a lot of different moving parts. I'm curious to see how this ties in. I'm curious to see how it addresses those. Uh, there's been a lot of fun going on with the continuity. So I'm, I'm really enjoying myself right now. I love when characters are like, this isn't the way. And there's been these other things. And why doesn't everyone else see this? And what does it mean that I do? And how do I make it make sense to others? It's really been an enjoyable experience to see how he's going to try sorting it all out, as he says. Uh, I think we're in for a great ride. Steve, how about you? If there's one man 
writing comics today that can make that statement but then back it up it's scott snyder um but what i'm saying is that that's a hell of a task and if he pulls it off more power to him because like you said flash forward and doomsday clock and the whole idea of a metaverse where it's rewriting itself and we can take what we want out of it the stories we love can be our own history and continuity that's fantastic but if he adds a bit more structure to that as well and ties it in with is it happening is it is it not happening fifth generation stuff um all the stories that dan didio was behind that had lots of fans and retailers wondering what the hell was going on if this story can do that fantastic but what i don't want to lose sight of is i still want it to be fun i still want it to be a wacky crazy metal action power ranger giant combining robots batman with a scythe kind of craziness that the original dark knights metal was because a lot of people said that that comic book was way out there and they didn't get it to me that was the most fun i've had reading comics in years it was brilliant and looking at some of the visuals that greg capullo is putting out there um i cannot wait but oh scott you haven't half uh given yourself a task there if you want to sort out 80 years of dc continuity but like i said if there's one man that can do it it's you so, and um yeah. I'm always encouraged by that old uh, fortune favors the bold, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I agree with you on those images, man. If those are any indication of what we have in the future and, and some of this, I mean, some of the stuff he was doing recently with some of these characters that, that they're like, yeah, this stuff kind of ties into um, so much more. It, it feels like we're really in for one of those adventures and uh, the images definitely hint to a lot of excitement. Uh, Steve, I'm with you. I, I thought, I thought metal was insane. And every time I was just like, how much further can they go? How much further can they? And they just kept doing it and they did it brilliantly. I mean, you know, um, the one thing about setting a bar like he is, is he's kind of got the work to stand on to say, yeah, 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 I can do it. You saw what I did, right? Okay. Mm. So, uh, I'm going to just do that Babe Ruth and point my bat and say, here's where I'm going. <laughs> Home run. Right. And that, we've had Batman. We've had Robin, Batgirl, Batwoman, Ace the Bat-Hound. We've even had the Bat-Cow. But the fact we're going to get a Bat-T-Rex, O-M-F-G. <laughs> Give me these comics right now. I want my Bat-Dinosaur and I want him today. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to see that absolutely cannot wait um and other things that i love to look at and uh, would love to own but some of these auctions are, are well out of my price range but they're going to a good cause jim lee and dc started something and now several comics creators if you check your twitter feed are auctioning off some absolute gems and all the proceeds are going to the comic book stores and book distributors that really need our help right now. This story made me smile. Brad, what do you make of this? Uh, these stories are so nice to see in these times. Uh, people coming together to help each other out, help an industry out. Um, it's an industry that has given all of us who are on this podcast and who listen to this podcast years and years of enjoyment and the least we can do is try to support it and when these creators get together and try to do it it's just 
it's it's really heartwarming. Um, and we got Brian Michael Bendis and friend of the podcast, Cami Garcia. So the talent is just it's incredible. So if you have the means, definitely uh, bid on some stuff. Seth, what do you think? Do you think Jim Lee knew what he was doing when he started this? <laughs> I mean, do you think he had any uh, idea? Yeah. Well, then then that's why he's the creative genius that we've come to know, respect, admire, and love. Because I was amazed when we were talking about the story regarding how much money he had already pulled in just on his own with uh, the drawings that had been auctioned so far. This new effort, this Comics for Creators, is such a response to that and such a, an awareness that they've got the power. They've got the one thing that people want. Each time they put it on paper, it's original. And depending on how many they make, it's a, you know an opportunity for a collector to get their hands on something that only they can possess and share and uh, a connection with that artist and creator. This is a really smart idea. So I love the fact that others are following along. I'm also really intrigued by this story uh, because I feel like Creators for Comics is something that people should be talking about, sharing as often as possible, letting people know that this is out there. Not that I want to drive up the prices any higher because I can't afford them now anyways, and I accept that humbly. But I think it's an opportunity for those who can to help provide that, you know, financial assistance that they're capable of providing and push it up a little bit. Um, I'm also intrigued by the fact that I would now like to get a Capullo Army shirt because they mentioned the Capullo Army in here. And now I want a logo. I want a shirt. Maybe I want one of those pendant banners. I'm not sure. But I do know that this is one of those stories that, hey, I, I know I champion hope. And um, these are the reasons why. When you have a great example like this, when you can see the way that creators can foster hope through their art, through this talent that they're so willing to share and give and donate with, uh, how do you not have hope? Steve? It's wonderful. And when you see some of the things that these brilliant writers and artists are putting up for auction and it's so simple that you literally put in your bid by replying to the tweet or to the post and the winner wins and the comics book industry and book retailers win and when you see scripts original sketches entire runs of stories graphic novels signed by the writers and artists this stuff is magic it's going to be one of a kind it's going to be collector's item gold in the future and it's going to such a worthwhile and worthy cause like you quite rightly said brad to something that all of us who make this show and listen to this show have loved our entire lives to keep that going <sighs> fantastic um what separates men from beasts what separates life from nothingness is art and the ability to appreciate art, be it in writing, in drawing, in painting, in comics, in music, in whatever, being able to feed that and let it grow is just gold. It's wonderful. And it makes me proud to be a flag flying comics nerd. Thank you, uh, creators, for, for doing this. I, I salute you. It's absolutely wonderful. 
And one of the things, again, we go back to Scott Snyder. His auction is an online writing course. He's going to go online. And this is a college professor. This is a man who isn't just a writer. He's a qualified teacher, instruction, uh, amazing. Something well worth bidding for. Brad, what do you think about this auction? Uh, I would love to participate. And the idea to me that just tickles me so much is that it's the writing a first issue. Because to me, that would that, right. that's always the hardest thing. And it's such a great thing to start on, writing a first issue. Oh, man, I would love to be a fly on that wall or or to bid and win on one of these auctions. I think that it's, it's an amazing thing. And, oh, man, yeah, so cool. So cool for sure. Seth, what do you think? I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. I am going to be so encouraged for the people who get to do this because, wow, what an opportunity. I mean, four spots, bid in, and Steve, you were saying, what a pedigree. Columbia University, New York University, Sarah Lawrence College. (laughs) Oh, by the way, he also handles DC's Writer's Workshop Program, and he's going to do his class on writing first issues. Probably one of the most daunting ideas that there is out there, aside from how do you tell an original Batman or Superman story? Um, I, I think this is such a smart idea. I, I would love for there to be a way for others to sort of get a taste of what that experience is like through social media so that he can grow this idea and we can turn it into um, potentially a great charitable option for the future for other causes. I, I love the approach and I love how well this ties into that, you know, creators for comics approach that we were just talking about. You know, you can you can take so many different avenues when it comes to how to offer your creative services as a way to donate for something bigger. Boy, Scott Snyder, not just trying to set DC's continuity uh, at right or at least sort it out, but at the same time trying to pave the way for new young writers to write that first issue make their way into the industry, and, of course, delight us all with great stories. Steve, how about you, my friend? This man needs an award, not literally just for his writing, but for his contribution to fandom, to people who are into comics, to being a great dad, and he's suffered a lot with his uh, personal life recently, with his with his newborn baby, um, having to have surgery at a very young age, and He's still pushing along and providing so much to the entire comic book community. And like I said, I mean, it's one thing to get a a limited edition signed sketch or a a run of comic books, but to give of his time to be generous enough to help go out there and teach a select few how to write a first issue. You can't put a price tag on that. That is absolutely amazing. If you don't already, Follow Scott Snyder on Twitter, follow his online uh, work, because he is a true ambassador for the business. He loves the industry. He loves comics. He lives, breathes, eats and sleeps comics. He's an educator. He's a gen. He's a great dad. And he's an amazing writer. Support this cause, guys. If you truly love comics, support this amazing amazing cause um you will not be sorry and you could come out with something amazing at the end of it i mean what more can you say to it than that incredible and that brings us to our final story of the night and again 
so many incredible things happening in comic book world. What can you say? Guys, Batman 92 is coming. It's coming late. But for the people who've been salivating for the debut of Punchline, we have news. We have a date. Are we going to see the Harley Punchline battle we've all been waiting for? Brad, what do you make of this story? Uh, I, I think that putting it in June is, is pretty smart because I think that will be when things are definitely more likely to be open. So it'll have the most impact on people that are still going into shops and go back into shops and 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 pick it up so i think that is very smart and i think we are all really wanting to get our hands on this issue to see exactly what's going to happen uh so we just have to you know wait a little longer um but i think in the end it'll be worth the wait uh seth what do you think he nailed it all for me in this story by saying just got the go ahead to let you all know that we're holding batman 92 back for a june release so we can make sure to get it to as many of you as possible on its release day done like I was I was at that moment, I thought to myself, OK, if the other stories about releasing in April 28th gave me concerns, this one lets me know that you're making this decision for every fan who wants to get a copy. And that thoughtfulness, that selflessness, I feel really embodies you know the message that Steve was trying to start this episode out with. And what a great ending. What a great reminder of the fact that. You know, to quote the old Guns N' Roses song, man, sometimes all you need is a little patience. Like, show a little patience. Have a little patience. We're all going to get to enjoy it. And because of this timing decision, because of the thoughtfulness, more people are going to have an opportunity than if they decided they wanted to move it up by a month or try and get as close to this early release start that we're getting. Now, let's let things build back up. Let's, like we were talking about, Brad, like so well you mentioned with Wonder Woman, Let's let some other stuff kind of pick things back up. And then when people are ready, when the, the larger majority that will have a chance to access this can, that's when we put it out. So I, I love this story for that and for all the reasons that go with it, especially when you think about what we've been talking about this episode. Steve? Yeah, it's great news. And like you said, Brad, as well, the timing could not be better. If all goes well, if people decide to keep themselves in, keep the social distancing thing happening, eradicate this virus so it can no longer be spread. June it would be an ideal time to launch this book. And this 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 issue's got fans literally salivating. We've talked about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. The, the introduction of Punchline has created such a buzz across fandom that it's unbelievable. And seeing those preview pages and that fight between Harley and uh, Punchline has, has got me excited and terrified at the same time. Really looking forward to it. Um, again, it's that little ray of sunshine, that light at the end of the tunnel that gives everyone something to aim for, something to look forward to, something that they can put their hands on, pick up and read. And we know that it is coming. Uh, and it's just lightened up my day. All the news has, apart from a couple of bits at the beginning. But, uh, guys, anyone who's a comics fan, your faith, your love for the industry is going to be rewarded. We're going to get all these magical books and we're going to get them sooner rather than later. So what a great way to end another great show. Brad, Seth, as always, it's a joy to talk to you. Please let the entire world know where we can find you. 
Brad. Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews at TC Comics News, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter, uh, FlickyB1. And you can find me also on DC Comics News, writing reviews. And you know what? When you want to find me on other social media channels, I'm going to give you my uh, my favorite one for my dogs on Instagram. Look up Bruno and Fiji. And don't have to send me a message at all. I've just got silly pictures and videos of dogs, and that's something you might enjoy right now. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, listen in for next time where maybe I'll give you a different channel to find me. Steve? Who wouldn't want to see silly pictures of dogs? That's what the internet was made for, right? Amen. Come on. Amen. Let's be honest. <laughs> Animals rule. <laughs> and I love my dogs. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm shameless. I haven't even met them, and I love your dogs. Oh, they, they are really adorable, even on the screen. <laughs> yep. Awesome. I like that. I'm going to be following that link myself. Absolutely. <laughs> And guys, yeah, listen, there's so much um, stuff out there, dogs, stories, fashion, comics, purse books, and a new little show called Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, where all of us change from our mild-mannered alter egos into foul-mouthed crazy loons. And if you're brave enough and grown up enough, check that show out, along with, of course, The Spinner Rack, where we recommend the greatest releases of the week. With my little show, uh, I Am The Night, where we break down Batman the Animated Series on a weekly basis, and all the other yummy goodness that you can find on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also find the DC Comics News internet website just by doing a search for DC Comics News or by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. As for me, my name is Steve J. Ray. Enter those words into your Google or your search engine of choice for links to my news, reviews, and interviews on DC Comics News and Dark Knight News as well, or comment on this show or any of the other brilliant shows on the DC Comics News Network at my Twitter at L Stevo, E L underscore S T E E V O. We'll all be waiting for you. We love getting your feedback. We want to talk to you some more. So talk to us. Please talk to us. Or they may just lock us away and throw away the key. Or do they do that every Friday night when we record the Mad Love podcast? I just don't. <laughs> but either way, fans, we love you. Keep reading, keep listening. And guys, Brad, Seth, what does everyone out there really need to do? Read more comics. <laughs> we shall return. <laughs>